Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. see you guys. Hey, I want to welcome all of our campuses and those of you that might be joining us online today. Honored that you're with us. Well, my name is Mike Bro, in case we never met before, and I have the privilege of being on the teaching team here. And uh, man, I just, I just get so fired up when I look at my calendar and go, I got Lake Point this weekend. So really, really super glad that you're here with us today. Before we get started today, though, uh, I, want, I want to just uh, bring your attention to this uh, incredible uh, women's night. There's a bunch of invite cards in the lobby today. Grab a stack of those on your way out. Invite all the women in your life. Guys, you're not allowed to come to this thing. It's September the 16th. It's just for women only. And so invite every lady, every girl in your life to, to, to be a part of this dynamic teaching, incredible time of worship, and a ton of fun. If, uh, if you need more information about it, you can text EVENTS to 20411. That number is 20411. Once again, that number is 20411. Our operators are standing by. So don't, don't, don't forget this great, great, great event. Well, Josh kicked off this series uh, just a couple of weeks ago that we are calling uh, Life Hacks. And you know how they take simple solutions to challenges to everyday life and everything from closet organization to eating a cupcake. And you've probably seen a ton of those things. My wife loves them. She, she cracks me up with, with them. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to take these uh, Life Hacks uh, to a different level. And today the topic uh, doesn't have a simple solution. Uh, today we're going to talk about hacking sadness. And so before we jump into it, I want to remind you, as we often do around here, that it's okay to not be okay at Lake Point. This is a judgment-free place of empathy and grace. You don't need to be embarrassed, ashamed, or guarded. You need to know this is a safe place of fellow strugglers who happen to be finding hope and healing and freedom with the help of Jesus Christ. And our goal is to come alongside you in whatever emotional state you might find yourself in. We just want to walk with, walk with you together. And hopefully along the way today, all of us will find some help and some practical tools and lean into the one that many of us have discovered can actually help us uh, with all the life hacks. I, I want to kick this off today, though, by stirring up some debate uh, you can fight about this on your way home. You can argue with your family and your friends later on. Uh, many people believe that Michael Jordan is the GOAT, the greatest basketball player of all time. And uh, recently uh, retired, unretired, Tom Brady is probably the greatest quarterback of all time. But when it comes to musical artists, who's the GOAT? Like, who is the greatest of all time? Like, like, like I'm talking over all musical genres. You, you might say, well, that's easy, man. It's, it's Elvis, because he, he is the king. 
You go, oh, no, it's not Elvis. You know, no, no, you, you don't understand. It, it's the Beatles. The Beatles. No, 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 you got to be crazy, man. It's got to be Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Are you kidding me? Everybody knows it's George Strait. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and I, I know it's Texas, but country music, are you kidding me? See, see room, rumor has it that Adele is the greatest. See what I did there? Uh, now, she's a great singer. She's a great singer, but come on. Aretha, Aretha definitely deserves a little R-E-S-B-E-C-T, right? Well, she might not be like Aretha, the queen of soul, but listen, Taylor Swift has sold more albums than anybody else in the history of music. Well, come on, but Billy Joel has his own serious XM channel. Come on, everybody get real. Everyone knows it's Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber is the GOAT. Oh, you kids don't know what you're talking about. It's Frank. Frank Sinatra is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all. And on and on and on we could go. So let me just settle this. The GOAT of all musical artists is a guy named King David. King David in the Old Testament part of the Bible is the greatest musical artist of all time. Now, we don't know if he could play guitar like Eric Clapton or sing like Bruno Mars, but he wrote some mad lyrics. They've been in the top 150 for over 3,000 years. Who does that? They're, they're found in this book in the middle of the Bible called the Psalms. I don't know if you've ever read the entirety of that book. If you haven't, you need to. Uh, it's like David experienced everything that you and I endure in this life. And so he wrote from his failures. He wrote from his pain. He wrote from his victories, his struggles, his brokenness, his shame, his guilt, his anger, his confusion, his gratitude, his joy, his worship. Inspired by the Spirit of God, he just vulnerably wrote down whatever was on his heart. And I think it's in these songs that we find God speaking directly to our hearts and our minds to help us deal with the struggles that we face with our mental and emotional health. David wrote a lot about depression and grief. He said, I'm sad a lot. And he got very, very raw, very vulnerable and honest about it. And if you and I are going to deal with the sadness of life, we have to follow suit and attack it with the same level of honesty and humility. Because everybody either deals with depression at some point in their lifetime, or we know those who have struggled or are struggling. As many of you know, my dad was bipolar, uh, struggled with a PTSD as well from serving in World War II before they even knew what to call it or to treat it. I can remember growing up, he would tell me all the time, Mike, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just really nervous. At other times, he would sit in his chair almost comatose and unengaged. At one point in his life, he was diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic. I mean, he struggled a lifetime with mental health. But my dad humbled himself, and he sought help. And some very skilled, very kind, and loving medical professionals helped him with the right medications and different therapies, which eventually helped him be able to process the truth of God's goodness and the truth of God's love for him. And I don't know, but you might need to do the same. I remember my wife, Debbie, teaching a group of ladies one time. She did this illustration with a huge coffee cup, and she said, you need to come to God and say, fill my cup, Lord, and you might as well bring a big cup. She said after the meeting, a lady stuck around and came up to her privately and asked, what if your cup is upside down? Because honestly, sometimes we can get in such a place where we need some professional help to get the cup turned right side up, where we then can allow God to pour truth into us. 
And that's what my dad did. And then a relationship with the truth, Jesus Christ, turned him into a really, really good man. I asked one of my good friends about her battle. It's been a lifelong battle with depression. And this is the edited version of what she vulnerably sent to me. Depression is lonely. I just couldn't be around people. They were happy and I was not, and I didn't have the energy anymore to pretend. After stiff-arming people, turning down invitations or not showing up time and time again because of depression, pretty soon everybody just quit calling, quit inviting. We were always saying no. After a while, we didn't have any friends, and friends were what we needed. We didn't understand what was happening. How could we expect anybody else to understand? I began to think, I'm ruining everybody's life. They'd be better off without me. I wanted to die. I thought about it all the time. All the time. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there like right now. Depression doesn't affect us all in the same way. But it's been described as, a, as an emotional winter and a lethal absence of hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when hope gets deferred on anything other than the true source of hope, it leads us away from a healthy heart and mind. Now, we all get sad. We all get down from time to time. We occasionally all have a rainy day and Monday, right? But depression is much different than just having a cloudy day. It's being covered in clouds. David writes how it can even feel like a dark, deep pit of hopelessness. I mean, people who are experiencing depression can relate. They can, they can experience extreme sadness. They can suffer from poor concentration, sleep problems, the loss of appetite, and they, they get overwhelmed with guilt and shame and, and helplessness. And you throw in this seemingly never-ending pandemic and financial instability and medical issues and family problems and political unrest and racial tension and starting school again. I mean, you name it. And we're all left asking what David asked over and over in the Psalms. Where does my help come from? Once again, I want to emphasize the importance of counseling, medical assistance, recovery groups, therapy, all of that. In fact, being humble enough to seek some help puts us all on the pathway to freedom and gets the cup turned right side up. But I also know that there's a spiritual component to this. And for that, there's only one place to turn to for help. David writes in Psalm 121, one of his famous songs, he says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He said, I look to the mountains and know that it's the one who formed those things. He's the source of my strength. That's what he found to be true. And many of us have found that as well. Now, I want you to see just how honest and raw David does get in acknowledging and describing his battle with depression, sadness, and grief. For instance, he gets super vulnerable, and he writes something like this in Psalm 102, verse 7. He says, I lie awake, lonely as a solitary bird on the roof. Ever been there? Can't sleep, feeling like nobody cares? Like my friend who wrote about feeling like she had no friends. David poetically describes the way he just felt all alone. He gets super vulnerable in, in Psalm chapter 6, and he writes this, Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my body is in agony. I'm sick at heart. How long, how long, O oh Lord, until you restore me? I'm worn out from sobbing. Every night tears drench my bed. My pillow is wet from weeping. Your pillow been wet with tears lately? I told you, he writes some pretty raw lyrics. 
And I'm also telling you it's very cathartic to get that vulnerable with God. It's more than okay to express your doubts and your anger and your confusion and your pain and your sadness. He wants to take it. Plus, he can. David writes Psalm 13, Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Like forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the light to my eyes or I will die. There's this desperation crying out saying, God, I need you. By the way, that's a good place to be. Psalm 38, he gets super vulnerable and he says, I'm bent and I'm racked. I'm bent over and I'm racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. And that's just a mere sampling of the way he cries out to God with his song lyrics. And he does it a lot. And there's a constant theme that those of us who struggle with depression and sadness and grief often repeat as well. There's a whole lot of negative self-talk. You ever do that? From time to time, I'll catch myself doing it. Not long ago, I was working on a renovation project, and I cut my board, which was my last board. I cut it too short. And I yelled out, dang it, bro, you are such an idiot. And my wife called in from the other room. Did you just call yourself an idiot? I said, "Uh, no, I I was talking to you. Uh, (laughs) But psychologists have an official name for this prolonged negative self-talk. They call it ruminating. It's kind of like negative meditation where we create these narratives in our mind that aren't true and we just sit and ruminate on those lies over and over and over again like, like God doesn't care. Lies like God isn't good. I'm not worthy anyway. No one understands. I'm broken and useless. I'm weak. I'm pathetic. Everybody's against me. I can't trust anyone. Things will never get better. There is no good in this world. I mean, life sucks and then you die. And as we ruminate on those non-truths over and over and over, guess what happens? Hope gets deferred. And as hope gets deferred, the heart and the mind get sick. And I really do love the way David honestly expresses his negative self-talk and his very true feelings of hopelessness. But here's the key. He doesn't stay there. His pattern, if you read the Psalms all the way through, is this. I'm going to get vulnerable with the truth about me. And then I'm going to let the truth about God heal me. We can't simply put a Band-Aid on depression and pretend it's going to heal on its own. It doesn't work that way. But what we can do, like David did, is consistently apply the truth of God's character to it. And we can find hope and peace and joy and healing rising up to take its place. So as a life hack, you might want to jot these down or take a screenshot of these and start downloading these songs onto your playlist. You ought to commit these to memory, like ruminate on these truths. You can actually start praying these lyrics with your own personal honesty. I have found that praying Scripture, like praying Scripture word for word, is a really great practice. For instance, when anxiety starts to overwhelm you and fear is starting to take you to a very dark place, Maybe you could pray this truth. I think Josh unpacked this in week one. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light. That's the truth. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You can pray Psalm 43, verse 5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise, praise, praise him again, my, my Savior and my God. When you have that feeling that everybody's against you, telling yourself that all these people are out to get you, pray this prayer from Psalm 56. Oh, God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me on Twitter, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Here's the deal. Haters going to hate. Hate, hate. Players going to play. Play, play. But I'm, I'm just going to shake, shake, shake it off. Like, shake it off. That, that, that's actually pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to write that down. That could be a hit someday. You know, we've talked a lot about the power of gratitude. And it really has proven to be one of the most powerful practice for treating depression, grief, and all kinds of things. Just making that daily gratitude list. And I love the gratitude that David expresses all through the Psalms, especially in these lyrics where he writes in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and guess what? He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. When your foundation is feeling shaky, remind yourself of this truth. Download this song, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that truth, that he is your refuge. He is your strength. He is your healer, your friend, your father, your Abba, your daddy, your maker, the lover of your soul, and the lifter of your head. I'm telling you, these songs have had a profound impact on my life. There was a time when I thought to myself, you know what, bro, you know all the lyrics to Bye Bye Miss American Pie, the Bohemian Rhapsody, Friends in Low Places, and the rap from Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. You need to download these kind of lyrics into your heart and your mind. Because what David does, he takes these truths that he knows to be reality, and he uses them, he ruminates on them to propel his mind out of all the negative self-talk and into a place of healthy remembrance and worship. Over and over, the truth just lifts him up out of his funk. Okay, a bit of musical trivia here. Do you know what song holds the longest streak at number one on the top 100 for all time? Kind of embarrassing, I heard someone say it. It's Little Nas and Billy Ray Cyrus for Old Town Road. The number one song of all time, crazy. But again, David wrote a song that blows that one away which wouldn't be hard. Uh, this song is probably his most famous song. I'm telling you, this song has been number one on the charts for thousands of years. See, David wasn't only a musician. He wasn't just a mighty warrior, wasn't just a king. He was also, you might remember, a shepherd. And he writes this song from his unique relationship 
with God while he was growing up on the Palestinian hills tending sheep. And this song of truth about God has brought comfort to countless people, including myself. And I'm praying that maybe it brings some comfort to you. Let me just read the entire song. And then I want to go back and break it down just a little bit. He writes this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. And I love how David, who was a former shepherd and a former leader, humbly describes himself as a sheep. And he assigns the leadership of his life to the Lord. And when I've heard people uh, uh, kind of judgmentally over the past couple of years call other people sheep, I think, yep, that's exactly what I am. Because you see, the thing about sheep is that they need someone to care for them. Sheep don't do well alone. Sheep are not buffed up, snarling predators seeking vulnerable prey. They are the prey. They're just fluffy followers looking for some guidance. So here is this strong, mighty warrior, King David, saying, that's me. I'm a sheep. And I'm so grateful that the Lord is my shepherd. And because he is, I lack nothing. This world would have me believe that I am lacking. The enemy would like nothing more for me to internalize that lie. But the truth is this, my shepherd is my constant provider and he's my protector. David writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, being from central Kentucky, uh, where there are millions, I'm talking millions of lush acres of bluegrass where thoroughbred horses graze. I have always read this verse and pictured it as such. Like God takes me to places where I'm rolling around in some lush pasture, just like doing grass angels, you know? But here's the reality of what David was writing about. Because the green pastures in Israel, they look nothing like central Kentucky. If you've ever been there, you know that those pastures are mostly rocky hillsides, barren, scattered amongst the rocks or little blades of grass where a drop of rain or some dew collected beneath the rock and a single tuft of grass can sprout up. There's not much, but there's enough. And so the shepherd leads them to places, not where they can roll around and gorge themselves in a lush meadow, but where they will find enough grass for that day. Then he leads them on to another pasture for the next day. And the sheep don't stress out about having enough grass. They know the shepherd's going to find it for them. And gang, God as our shepherd doesn't promise us a lush life of luxury, but he will lead us to the right pasture for the right moment. We may not see it now, but there will always be a fresh tuft of grass in the morning. There's an old song I've always liked by a guy named Pat Green. It was nominated for a Grammy back in 2003. You might remember a song called Wave, Wave on Wave. It was like, came upon me, wave on wave, that song. That's how depression feels. It's like wave on wave. One day you're feeling better, 
And then somebody reminds you of some hurt from the past, and here comes a wave, crash. Then there's some unresolved bitterness, crash. Then there's some what-ifs, crash. Then some regret, crash. Then some hopelessness, just wave on wave on wave. And David in this song says, let me tell you what the good shepherd does. He stops the waves. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's a place where the pounding stops and we experience something deep, unexplainable in our soul. I wish I could explain it to you, but it says in Philippians chapter 4, this peace that transcends all human understanding is something you've got to experience for yourself, and only Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, can give that to you in the depths of your soul. David writes, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. I have found that depression wants to take me down some winding, dark, and desperate roads. And in the moment, the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 don't go down that road. Come over here. I got a better path for you. I got a true path. I got a right path. I got some healthy ways of walking. Depression and grief says, stuff it down. Don't deal with this. This hurt will never go away. Isolate yourself. Refuse to talk to anybody about how you feel, especially God, because if he cared, this wouldn't be happening. All lies designed to destroy our lives. And in those moments, if we'll let him, the Lord, our shepherd, will lead us in the right direction toward true thoughts. And sometimes he does it in subtle ways. Like you, you, you might get a text from a friend you haven't talked to in forever, just an encouragement like out of the blue. Or they might drop by and say, come on, come on. You're going to this meeting with me, or come on, you're going out to eat with us, or come on, we, we need a fourth on the golf course today. I've already paid your green fees. Or a child says something to you that just resonates in your heart, or you're, you're sitting in a place like this, and God just reaches right into your soul like you're the only one sitting in the place, like he's talking directly to you, and you feel hope. That's how the good shepherd leads. Our, our good friends, Billy and, and Katie Ann, lost their Beautiful, funny, full of life little girl Bennett a few years ago. Very, very tough roller coaster ride with cancer. And as things got more and more serious, Katie Ann began initiating conversation with Bennett about, uh, about heaven. And the little three-year-old would respond with fearless faith by, by saying, Mommy, don't cry. If I go to heaven before you do, I'll send you flowers. Well, Bennett did go to heaven after her brave battle with cancer. And Katie Ann's a remarkable person. Uh, very strong, but heartbroken. And I remember her uh, telling us that on one particularly hard day, she was praying, God, I sure could, sure could use some of those flowers from Bennett about right now. She was cleaning up the house a little later in the day, and underneath a rug that had been there for years, she found a puzzle piece face down on the floor. She thought it was kind of odd because they didn't own a puzzle. She picked up the puzzle piece and flipped it over to see that the puzzle piece had a picture of a beautiful bouquet of flowers. And she said it was as if God was whispering to her, I know your heart is broken. I know that none of this makes sense to you, but one day you will see how this all fits together. Someday in heaven, you'll see how this is going to be a masterpiece. You will be with me and you will be with Bennett forever in a place where there is no more cancer, no more death, no more tears. In the meantime, trust me, I will carry you through this. David experienced the same thing too. So he sings, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's the truth. 
You know, I've, I've often wondered if David wrote that lyric thinking back to the time he's a teenage shepherd in the valley of Elah, standing toe-to-toe with this giant Philistine warrior named Goliath, who was huge and heavily armed and covered in brass, brass armor. And he's a skinny shepherd with a sling, and he takes out this guy because God was with him. Even in the darkest valleys, like the one you might be going through right now, it can't stay dark because the light of the world is with you. You've got to download that truth that he is with you. Let the light of that truth begin to chase away the darkness you might be dealing with. David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know one of the best things you can do when you're going through grief and sadness is to eat with other people. It's why friends bring food over after a grade service, after, after a funeral, and sit around a table and tell stories and cry and laugh and eat together. There's something extremely healing about that. And I like how he writes, and you do that in the presence of my enemies. Even though I'm surrounded by enemies like disillusionment and isolation and depression and grief, I'm here and I'm eating and I'm remembering and I'm laughing and I'm crying, I'm leaning and I'm hugging and I'm healing. I'm sitting at this table with other people. And this is where I want and need to stay. He writes, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know, it's it's been almost 25 years now since the last time this happened. But I can still remember how good it felt to sit in a chair at a salon and have someone wash your hair. That's just, it's awesome. Like I said, it's a distant memory, a distant memory. But it's a great feeling, man. You kick back and that sink and every shampoo in your hair to put in a conditioner and all that stuff. Well, in David's day, the shepherd would wash the head of their sheep with oil. It was to protect them from disease and keep them healthy. Well, the Hebrew word that David uses here for anoint, I thought was kind of interesting. Actually, it could be translated fertilize. It's like he's saying, Lord, you fertilize my mind so I can grow and flourish. You help me think more clearly. You pour true things, right things, noble things, lovely things, healthy things into my mind so I can think in a more healthy way, so I can overflow maybe someday on other people who might be where I once was. And then he ends his song with with the hope that all of us as Jesus followers know. He says, surely, I know, no doubt, I'm confident, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the truth. Jesus came to give us eternal life. And because of him, even though it's very real, grief, sorrow, sadness, depression, darkness, even death does not have the final word. And if you're battling depression or some kind of sadness, I hope you know you're not alone. And I can't give you one simple life hack. I can't tell you what your next step ought to be. You might need to call a hotline for some immediate help. You might need to schedule an appointment with a mental health professional. You could text LIFE to 20411 and set up a time to talk with one of our care and recovery pastors. Again, there is no shame. There's no judgment. There's no embarrassment in any of this. And depression solutions are not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. We just want you to know that here at Lake Point, we care deeply about you. And like I said, many of us can empathize with your story, and we don't think you're crazy. We just want to come alongside and help you however possible in your battle. And maybe, just maybe, you need to do what David did, what many of us have done here. 
and honestly cry out to the Lord. And just humbly to acknowledge that no matter what medicine you may take or exercise you may do or therapy you're part of or people you surround yourself with, at the end of the day, you need God. It's God and God alone who brings you through this battle with depression and then eventually just fills your cup. Maybe the next step for every single one of us is to take these songs and add them to our playlist. Like spend some time reading them and rereading them and writing them down and praying these words can start removing all the clouds over your life because the truth is he is for you and he's with you. Lean into this truth that, that he's a good, good shepherd who wants to lead you to green pastures and still waters. He wants to restore your soul. Let me just pray for all of us in that regard. Father, I thank you so much for the truth of that. And uh, God, you know how often I've just bought the lies and ruminated on lies, lived there for too long. And I thank you for the light that comes streaming into our soul when we download this kind of truth. Because when light shows up, darkness has no, no choice but to run. Light wins every time. So, Father, I pray that someone today is experiencing that light. For some, it's a desperately needed light right now. I pray it's just turning on inside of them that they can see the truth of who you are. They, they could apply your character, the truth of your character, to the pain and sadness and grief that they might be experiencing. God, all of us from time to time get that way so we all understand each other. Help us to empathize with each other and sympathize with each other and come alongside and help each other be lifted up out. Sometimes you use us to do that. But God, we'll give you all the credit, all the glory because you are the one who's the lifter of our head. You're the one that makes the clouds disappear. You're the ones that calms the waves and brings us beside quiet waters. We believe you're our shepherd and we need a shepherd. So Father, it's my deepest prayer. You know, God, I've been praying this all week long because I knew what we're going to talk about today. That you would just invade someone's life today with hope. And that, that hope would never be deferred onto something else, but just always be grounded and found in you. And they would start to feel healthy and that the light would break forth. And I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. slash